the idea is that the better in shape we get, not just physically, mentally, and spiritually, but the more we understand that there's actually things that we can do to not only make the hunt easier, but more enjoyable and a quality that is at a higher level because our health is better. We need to make the mind work just like the muscles. And the yeah, mind I mean, is going to take the most amount of work. It's going to take a lot of internal work because no one sees it behind the scenes. Yeah. I think definitely encouraging, seeking challenging tasks and becoming more uncomfortable as much as possible is definitely a proponent that I try and push as well as trying to avoid putting yourself in positions of regret. Mm -hmm. So if you can stay away from regret as best you can by applying consistent effort into all things, then typically you're a lot more grateful and happy. A lot of hunters, like that's what they care about is success. And I totally yeah. understand that because obviously we want to be successful, but also at the same time, we can be really successful, but if you have poor health and then in five years, you pass away from colon cancer, what does success really mean? And do you want more of that success? Do you want more years of success? Maybe we got to start making a few different lifestyle choices and then you can get more years of success. Language and communication is what makes us go to bed at night and sleep better. It's the language we use to make people critically think, right? Welcome to Days of the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. A couple things before we jump to this episode. Please, you heard me say a million times, Go give us a review on iTunes. Helps me keep this podcast free and uh, helps with the ratings. Also, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. If you use our promo code, John Stallone, all one word, you save 20% off on anything. And it's not just shooting bags. They do glassing pads. They're working on some other really cool stuff coming up here for the hunter, bow hunters also. So go check them out, phoenixshootingbags.com. And uh, if you're looking for a really good hunt, I have some really good opportunities for you. Uh, hit us up on daysinthewild.com or check out the, my blog, johnstallone.me and uh, send us an email. If you're looking to do a coos deer hunt, javelina, mule deer, mule deer in South Dakota, we got some opportunities in California as well. So uh, give me a call if you're looking to do something different this year and uh, like to get on a special hunt, Days in the Wild Outfitters and uh we will uh we'll take care of you without further ado let's jump into this episode hi welcome to days in a wild big game hunting podcast this week we're going to talk about um fitness and kind of how it plays a role in your hunting longevity i have uh lyndon lauren and i actually have uh james fitzgerald which has been on the podcast a couple times so anytime I have anything that's exercise related, fitness, health related, I, I kind of lean on James a little bit. So anyway, uh, Linda, why don't you give us a little rundown about yourself and then uh, I'll have James. Yeah. Thanks for the introduction. I appreciate it. So just kind of a rundown, my background, grew up in a small town, Brookings, Oregon, Southern coastal area, right on the border of California. I uh, started my academic career at Oregon State, where I studied kinesiology for my undergrad degree. From there, kind of hopped on a few internships, one being at the Sports Performance Center at Oregon State, where I helped out with collegiate athletes for training and nutrition. The main programs I helped out with were football, gymnastics, and crew. So I did that for a while. Uh, while that was occurring, I also did an internship at a CrossFit gym called CrossFit Port Vancouver. That's where my brother was training and competing in the games. From there, I took management and director of programming at a CrossFit gym for about three, four years. Mm -hmm. And from there, I started, I made the transition to teaching anatomy and physiology and some epigenetic classes at uh, 5A High School in Albany, Oregon. And from there, I made another transition. It sounds like a lot of things. Right. <laughs> uh, made another transition into um, co-founding a startup that does nutritional products and educational content for hunters and kind of tried to merge a little bit of my master's and undergrad work in health with hunting. And that's kind of where I'm at here. And that's just a quick rundown. Awesome. Awesome. 
um, before we get to James, uh, so m- a little bit of my background, um, I actually have a degree in exercise physiology and studied kinesiology. I started my, and in another life, I was a physical therapist. So I have a good understanding of all that, even though I haven't practiced in 20 plus years now, but um, I have a great understanding of it. And it's, it's always something that intrigues me and it's still I definitely don't go to the extremes that you guys do, but uh, I've always, you know, incorporated it in my lifestyle because I know what the long-term effect is. Anyway, uh, James, give us a little rundown about yourself. Yeah. Um, well, I'm trying to tie in to what binds us all here. Uh, there's so many things that you both said thus far that binds us. Um, the academic background for um, exercise science, probably something that could bind us all as well. I grew up in a small town. Um, up in uh, northern Labrador on the East Coast. And uh, yeah, now I'm into fitness. And uh, I also um, tied into uh, Lyndon as well with uh, numerous different ways, probably even indirectly, Lyndon, to both you and I, but CrossFit Fort Vancouver had uh, a number of people that followed my blog way back in its original reception, oh, Marie cool. Rocher and uh, Chris Duncan and a few others. From there, I also taught anatomy and physiology to medical students while I was in my exercise science. Um, I also own two CrossFit gyms. And another thing that binds us maybe with you too, John, um, mm-hmm. directly, is uh, this concept of human potential. I saw it on your website, uh, Lyndon, and that's something that is near and dear to my heart that through my experiences with fitness and now trying to coach other coaches today based upon that is a... Uh, Let's just say it's a, it's an interesting topic. So, um, so that's where I come from. And currently today, uh, I'm just coaching coaches, uh, coaching fitness coaches about principles of fitness. Yeah. Um, principles in behavior, human behavior, principles in exercise, and principles in nutrition. And so I ha- I've uh, I've got probably uh, numerous different you know around the around the campfire questions for Lyndon. That uh, John, if you want to set me up for it, or if I'm okay to get started on that. Yeah. Um, uh, can, well, we, can we go there? Yeah, absolutely. The one, but I want to say well, one thing that you didn't you didn't say is we're we all we all hunters. <laughs> that, that's what really <laughs> yeah. brought us here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I love the outdoors well, that, too. Yeah. So. Well, that's uh, that's probably where I wanted to start. Is uh, like, <laughs> can you give us a little uh, insight, maybe onto. Uh, you know, because what you mentioned in your background there, uh, based upon, let's call it being in the physical expression universe, right, of learning about it and sport performance and et cetera. And there must have been numerous times where, you know, you kind of, let's call it, took off your CrossFit shirt and put on your camo, right? And <laughs> yeah. you, started, you, start, you started thinking about things, right? Like, how do those things that I'm practicing in the gym carry over to that? So what I'm looking for there is basically give john's listeners a little bit of a background as to your aha moments of the things you've learned within fitness and physical expression and how it carried over to helping in hunting that that is a great question um kind of a bad multifaceted there's a lot of areas i could kind of attack i would say not only did i teach at the high school and not mean phys but i'm also the strength conditioning coordinator for some of the sports programs for football and wrestling and there's been a lot of ahas with that age group, but then also along the same lines, I've had a lot of ahas with even current members at a gym that I've helped out with in that once you determine what it is hobby wise that you really enjoy doing, that you want to spend a lot of time doing, if you can understand and establish the self-awareness where there's a connection between if I do more things in favor of my health, that I can raise the odds of being able to do that hobby more then it becomes a liberating once you understand that without health, there's no more hunting. Mm-hmm. And so when we start looking at uh, all of the variables um, physically related, I felt like for me personally, when I was training for some of my backcountry hunts in the Eagle Caps, which is Eastern, Eastern Oregon, that I knew instantly if I was fit enough to handle 5,000 feet with a 60 pound pack and a bow the very first day. And 
there's a smaller percentage of hunters most likely doing backcountry hunts. But the idea is that the better in shape we get, not just physically, mentally, and spiritually, but the more we understand that there's actually things that we can do to not only make the hunt easier, but more enjoyable and a quality that is at a higher level because our health is better. And I think the interesting conversation is, is looking at the variables that have nothing to do with training, sleep, or nutrition and the variables that are associated with morals, vitamin D. So I think there's just a lot of others that aren't really being talked about. And I think there's an interesting conversation in that you can enhance your hunting abilities and the chances of being able to hunt longer if we can make some strategic lifestyle adjustments. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't so know if, I don't sorry. know if that addressed the exact question because yeah. I kind of went on tangents, but that's kind of a, no. a starting point. Yeah, no, indirectly I asked, where did you get your aha moments? And you yeah, you more or less said where you think others get their aha moments and the reasons for them getting those aha moments, which I wholeheartedly agree with you based upon behaviors and people's perception of what they're actually doing. But I do just I was trying to get, you know, how did you come to these recognized aspects, you know, as to how and I apologize to express your business name, Anion. Is that pronounced correctly? Yeah. So the sign scientific way and you guys probably understand this is anion and that's mm-hmm. um terminology from that but a lot of people say anion i'm a, it's not the end of the world if anyone says okay. it a different way yeah. so either way i'm good with yeah yeah no, no i was just trying to get us uh every every listener to the idea of like well how did Lyndon come to this understanding right this like aha moment of wow uh if people do actually think about these deeper things around existence and human potential and they try to work their ways towards it. And as they work their way towards it, they're like, holy shit, I can hunt better. Right. You know, then that's why I was asking uh, to see if others could like hear that and get an aha moment themselves. Right. Of, you know, diving into stop worrying so much about, you know, how much you're back squatting, but worry so much about how you're seeing this play out for you to be able to hunt for 50 years, you know? Right. Yes, most definitely. And that kind of addressing, so asking me exactly like some epiphanies that I've had, I've, and I mentioned this in the book that I'm currently putting together, it's hopefully going to publish at the end of the year, relating health and hunting. And in it, I mentioned that my father passes away when I'm 18 due to poor lifestyle choices. And I think that's one of the things that was first triggered in my mind where he really enjoyed hunting and that's how I was brought up in it. My mother and father both hunted at a high level. And when I first got brought into it, it was highly enjoyable. And when you're younger, you don't really think about what death means and you just think, Oh, that just happens. But when you reflect back, depending on the situation, sometimes you under, you recognize that, Oh, maybe there's more behind the scenes than what we think. My father was super physically active in martial arts But there was a lot of underlying themes like going to bed late, allowing chronic stress to take over from work, maybe not making the best nutritional choices in the off season. And so when I reflect back on those, I think there's a lot more factors than just being physically active. Not that that is pushed, needs to be pushed to the wayside. I think there's an algorithm that allows a hunter to be able to hunt for 50 years it's going to take a long time to unlock all the variables. And I don't know if that day will ever come, but the more that we can start looking at all the variables associated with what's going to allow us to hunt and have a good quality hunting experience without health limitations Mm -hmm. is a step closer to something really special and positive. And so when I look at epiphanies, that's definitely one. Another one is definitely seeing other people struggle who enjoy hunting with health limitations that prevent them from like knee issues, headaches, stomach aches, leaky gut, poor mental health. So when I start looking at those, I have empathy for those people because they extremely enjoy hunting. The connection just hasn't been drawn for what can we do to improve those things so that you can continue hunting. And I think just various conversations, experiences with hunting, my family seeing family members pass away from chronic disease and then somehow 
teaching at a high school and then my master's and it just kind of all accumulated into one moment where it was a meeting of the stars. And all of a sudden I was like, well, why aren't we talking about the other things besides nutrition and training that have to do with ways that we can improve our health. And I would like to see more hunters hopefully look at a different approach like this so that they can have a better quality hunting experience it's not necessarily that I want someone to live to 110 because you can live to 110 and have the last five years incredibly poor health. It's to make the quality of the years really good. And that's why I'm more focused on kind of health span than lifespan. I, yeah, definitely you can live a long life and you want to extend the life if it's a good quality of life. So I'm trying to get the quality of life to be heightened. Mm. And yeah, yeah. So if that makes sense, is that it's kind of a prolonged answer, but epiphany came from a lot of different avenues. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, and I, I would, I'm going to make an assumption here that uh, you're not considering a health span something that's um, you know the opposite end of the equation either, which is like the um, I don't know why I thought of Jeremiah Johnson, but the Jeremiah Johnson route of like wham bam 30 years survive and then just go out like on a rock star idea <laughs> you're, you're probably talking about you know like your words or maybe i'm indirectly asking that question when you say health span and you say human potential you know how can you get uh john's listeners up to speed on what i probably you, you know i speak about human potential for hours and hours just because it, it's it's you know it's philosophical masturbation for myself but because there's a lot of deep pieces inside of it so what are your what are your initial thoughts on opening up that conversation on health span and human potential to someone who has, has no like concept of what you're discussing. Good question. In terms of health span, you know, it's, it is like, if we can really just kind of hone in on what it is during the off season. So for majority of us, we're probably not hunting more days out of the year than off season. So when I look at health span, I want a lot of these hunters to really hone in, not just the in season, but the off season day to day, little tiny choices. There's this, there's a concept called the butterfly effect where little tiny things can add up to big things. And the idea with health span is by making small, little minute changes to lifestyle things, lifestyle choices, such as maybe as soon as you wake up, you get natural light outside for 10 minutes to regulate cortisol, stress, melatonin, mood, all those things, those moments in the morning for 10 minutes, those add up. Or mm-hmm. maybe just in, instead of that, you decide to look at your phone first thing in the morning and respond to emails. That plays a big role in mental health the rest of the day. Now times that by seven days a week, and then you start really looking at how do things accumulate and impact our health. So when I think health span, I think, I think morals, I think training definitely nutrition, I think different activities that have nothing to do with hunting. So having backup hobbies, I think supplements to some degree, I think uh, doing specific blood tests to see where your health is at, sleep, breathe or breathing mechanics, how much exposure you have to the environment, dirt, sand, grass, building up your willpower, your exposure to exposure to nature, rivers, forests, waterfalls, uh, vitamin D, I mentioned earlier, circadian rhythm, the consistent timing of when you go to bed, when you wake up, when you feed, when you train, when light penetrates your eyes, hormetic stressors. So getting into a sauna, cold water immersion, how we can improve hormones, uh, reading books, cognitive abilities. What scares me the most for, uh, and I've mentioned this to a lot of student athletes, is it's not really to lose physical abilities, but it's to lose my mind. Mm-hmm. That is the most terrifying. So I think one of the things with HealthSpan that I really try and stress and promote is we need to make the mind work just like the muscles. And the yeah, mind I mean, is going to take the most amount of work. It's going to take a lot of internal work because no one sees it behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we're possibly biased to that based upon our previous experiences. I'm not disagreeing with your notion that the cognitive repertoires or maintaining mental acuity for a lifetime is not higher order. Ironically, I do place that as the number one thing we work on for people long term. And I'm just going to try to tie it into hunting because I think that's something that I don't do enough of uh, today 
but I do know that there's a shit ton of cognitive capabilities and I do know there's a huge number of strategies and tactics and cognitive, let's call it cognitive range Mm -hmm. that is needed within hunting that is not necessarily applicable or necessary or needed within day-to-day actions. So I just wanted to make that comment that I'm all on board with that concept, but I do, I do want to stretch it to a slight disagreement there because I'm looking for a, I'm looking for an inspiring ideal to finish your story. This is, this is how I heard it. And correct me if not correct me, but just how I, how I heard it. I agree with you that all the things you mentioned there, what I would call, in my opinion, new aged methods to fix what is currently broken. But you got to continue with that story to also talk about, well, what's your definition of ideal in human potential? And I would ask maybe for you to venture into that territory to keep going on with your story. What happens when we get all the people at minus three, minus two, minus one back to zero with all of those aforementioned things? What does level one, level two, level three, quote unquote, the end story of human potential look like? And even if you can't like word it, Lyndon, what do you think about when I ask you that question for the ideal of human potential for expression? Uh, Great question. Uh, So when I look at the ideal of the human potential, I think prevention instead of waiting till something bad happens. So if we Mm -hmm. can possibly redirect the mind of hunters and people in general of, hey, let's look at the prevention mindset and try and get a little bit better at that instead of waiting till a health limitation arises and then trying to panic and scramble and figure out ways to alleviate that and treat it. Mm -hmm. When we start getting into that realm of prevention, then all of a sudden health becomes something that the results become overwhelming and the person when they get into that realm of prevention when they the results become overwhelming momentum builds and when good momentum builds then they're more likely to make other good lifestyle choices because they feel terrific all the time so when i think of levels of like human potential level one two three once the conversion is made with hey how about let's make just a few better lifestyle choices in terms of prevention, when that happens and then good things start changing, whether that happens next Tuesday or next week, then all of a sudden we can start, you'll start seeing the momentum build and more and more good lifestyle choices. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect and never have a bowl of ice cream, but it definitely means that depending on where your health is, you can determine if you need to be more refined. And once you start feeling really good, mentally, physically, spiritually, uh, and the momentum builds, it's almost like an addiction. And once that's paired with understanding how rare it is to have a life and to recognize that maybe next week's not guaranteed, Mm -hmm. then maybe we can start having an interesting conversation of let's utilize the time and make it as good as we can and feel vitality. Yeah. Fantastic. I love the vital word. Um, and what I just use to just to kind of play some language here so that people can pull what they want from the language. But I use the word resilience and a buffer zone. And that's what you're talking about with prevention, I think, is to build up the person's repertoires and strengths such that anything that impedes, you know, shitty weather, um, a storm moving in, et cetera, they're willing to contend with that because of the practices of resilience that they built up. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Yes, most definitely. And that's a great example, especially with shitty weather coming in mentally dealing with that and accepting it and understanding it is it's an it's great. You should be grateful to to as much degree as you can that you have the opportunity to be hunting regardless of the weather. Oh, dude, I listen. Okay, that's where we're going to move it. I was hoping we were going to move it into that. The uh that language in terms of perception and how people are seeing this whole experience. Um, so if I may, I'll start with this one based upon a comment that I, uh, cause I think this is where we can get to like belief in the whole process. And it's a big, it's a heavy word, but I think we should, we should go into it. Okay. Here's the context that today uh, to your point, which I loved it without health comma, there is no more hunting. Let's switch that around and, uh, Lyndon, hopefully this will lead into that, like, deepest beliefs based upon what we believe to be really good fundamental truths of, let's call it, uh, fueling ourselves, 
finding fuel, finding fuel from resources from the planet, having a connection to nature based upon that. Is it possible that there was a point in time that that health was there because there was hunting? You see how I flipped it around mm-hmm. that the hunting, yeah. the hunting allowed a healthy composition and a healthy temperament. You know what I'm saying? So it's a ba- I'm basically saying the same thing, but what I'm trying to get out of that question is how do you contend with that today? Cause I heard you say, and I see it all the time. I mean, I fall prey to it because I'm just a, just a person that's out there. And you guys, I would consider you, consider you the, the truest definition of that or natural version of getting fuel from our, our environment is there a strong, super strong pull towards a more technologically advanced, easier way of hunting that uh, that pulls people away from what you mentioned is the deep, like it has to be belief, right? There has to be a belief in the process of it being truly beneficial for health, dot, 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 because we had done it for a long period of time. You know, we've done it for a long period of time to kind of source fuel from the environment to actually work for it. And then, you know, we, we get a lot, of, a lot of benefits from finding that fuel. And, and of course, others in our tribe and our, those around us get to benefit as well. So there were some questions in there. I'm not sure if you pulled anything out of that. Yeah, most, yeah, most definitely. And thank you for those comments. Uh, super insightful, especially really thinking about humanistic DNA and maybe what, what we were kind of stemmed from in terms of hunting and health. And the way that you flipped it is super intriguing because I've never heard anyone put it that way. But in a in an indirect sense, it kind of does. When you think about maybe where we've came from, foundationally speaking, that hunting was at the pinnacle, and we've slowly transitioned into a position where it's not for majority of the population. And you could look at that a few ways and say, yes, it's a good and a bad thing, depending on the person that you talk to. When I think of the process that's not the process isn't really talked about a lot in terms of obstacles failures losses as disguised as learning opportunities and when we think about hunting and health and trying to get in the realm of let's rewire our internal programming to enjoy what it is like to pursue wild game and to provide for our family, then we have to know that it's not going to be just a one path fits all easy success. And we don't want it to be easy. And that's the thing. So if we can get in the mind frame of we don't want it easy, we want it to be challenging and we want there to be some adversity, then hopefully the mental fortitude will start building if we can really flip that switch instead of backing off and saying, oh, this is too tough. Like, when things don't go well, that is a very good thing because there's always good that comes from it. So if we can get rewired the brain to be more in tune with loving the process of hunting and recognizing what that is, then hunting will be more enjoyable, most definitely. But also the mental fortitude, the willpower, all of it will improve. And if it improves in those moments during hunting – then most likely it's going to improve in the off season as well. Does yeah, because that- that's a oh yeah, and that 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 lands on something you mentioned earlier. For what I get from it, like as an example, John and I went hunting for uh, javelina down in uh, South Arizona, and I've been in numerous situations before, but I didn't have the brain function to kind of organize it or understand it. But what what you're landing on is that it creates so this this opportunity for recognizing. That I think one wise person said this another way, but the right way is always the hard way and the hard way is always the right way. And so if you, if we get people in their mindset already from this experience that they're going to have, that this is not like your current rendition of getting on your phone and having 800 calories dropped to your door in 25 minutes. You see what I'm saying? Like this, whole, oh, yeah. this whole life that we live is so far removed oh, yeah. from the deeply innate pieces of how we came to sourcing fuel, right? So all I'm saying is I'm down with the language. I guess I'm just trying to, you know, come to a, a conclusion as to how you, Lyndon, go about speaking to people about how to make them recognize that, that, you know, that Amazon drone that just dropped Cal's shoes <laughs> yeah, you yeah. didn't, you didn't, You didn't work to get that. And it should Most be hard of, yeah. to get that. Why is it hard to get that? 
because you know you we just have it in our bones and our like muscles and our logic and our history that we have to do something you know and so this yeah. is where you and i come in as professionals we're like we bait and switch them right and i know this is something that's unspoken of but all coaches know this we bait, kind of bait and switch people in the health realm uh recognizing that you know what you got to do these squats and this hard work because it's just a it's just something we're putting in place to allow you to have calories. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like a form. Yeah. It's a form of hunting. It's a form of physical expression in order to get your food. So I was just mentioning that to see where you, how you help people with that to make them. And, a, and you, you gave me an awesome answer to it in case you didn't recognize you did. You started by this. This is something people could take away as a mantra. No going into it. It's not easy. Period. Yeah. That's it. And then if they have that at least awareness, I think you're you're going to get them on the right path to getting these aha moments like I did. Right. Come back home. And I'm like, I just made this sandwich. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> uh, I just pulled it out of the fridge, you know, and and I never and I appreciate these shows like alone um, where it's like, man, I wouldn't survive four days, you know, being like that. And then it makes you think about the appreciation and the gratitude. I guess that's where I, I was going with it for the end. Yeah. Yeah, to have conversations with people is is really intriguing, especially when you start trying to leverage certain terminology to get them fired up or to make that connection of self-awareness to make a change. I think definitely encouraging, seeking challenging tasks and becoming more uncomfortable as much as possible is definitely a proponent that I try and push, as well as trying to avoid putting yourself in positions of regret. Mm-hmm. So if you can stay away from regret as best you can by applying consistent effort into all things, then typically you're a lot more grateful and happy. One of the things I tell my student athletes all the time is if they need some perspective on time and pursuing things that are challenging is to go into an old folks facility and interview a lot of those people that are in that facility and you'll find that 80 your old regret is super scary. And typically when someone falls in that category, it's because they didn't pursue hard things. And I'll tell you what, most of them most likely will probably tell me that they wish they didn't. They're not going to tell me they wish they would have watched more TV. They would have, they wished they would have done more things, experienced more things, spent more time with loved ones. That's what they would tell me they'd like to do. Not that they'd want to watch TV or go on social media or sit on the couch. They most likely will not tell me that. And that right there tells me that regret's a really scary thing. In order to prevent us from falling into that trap, the more things we try, take risks, uh, fail, learn, the less that regret is going to be contained within ourselves and that's one of the things that i'm a proponent of is avoid putting yourself in positions of regret so take challenges be authentic focus on yourself not others opinions and enjoy that kind of process of making use of minutes time is really interesting to me that's a conversation Mm -hmm. i have uh in the book but along with a lot of other people is time is really interesting to me especially if you take a day and you write down to the minute what you spend your time doing. And I think that's a fascinating conversation to have to really sit down and write down to the minute of what you're doing. And then you'll realize, Oh wait, I do have time to train. Oh wait, I do have time to stretch and to do all these things. It's crazy. We just have to be really strategic. When you say that, you know what it makes me think of Lyndon is have you ever got your report on your, on your cell phone that says your daily usage oh, is yeah. x amount of hours and you're like yep. i just wasted that many freaking hours on my cell phone I, like Isn't that shit just drives me <laughs> crazy i didn't want to interrupt because you guys are like oh no, on fire no, but no, what uh, half no, the things I mean, what it took to, yeah i sorry john I, go what, ahead. what it did to me in case people don't think it's actually effective is that that actually pulled my uh, facebook instagram and twitter apps off my phone you know and i have i have you know, really important important things to be connected to uh, within social media. Same but here. But yeah. I just couldn't. I couldn't turn my back on it. I couldn't turn my back on the extra little minutes. And you know, so 
um, I'm just making a point of like, no, it really is uh, something that's a, an obvious thing. And uh, um, how, uh, uh, Lyndon, I just want to make it, um, you know, your statements thus far, uh, I shouldn't be the uh, judge of um, character or the judge of uh, epistemology for an individual. But uh, do you have children? Are you in a relationship? What's the uh, good question? Uh, recently married. <laughs> For a year, and yeah. we just had our first baby boy four months ago. Cool. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah, well, speaking on behalf of John, um, there's <laughs> a lot of, uh, to, to personally judge it, there's a lot of wise things that are coming out of your mouth. There's a lot of wisdom in terms of your practices that, uh, you know, sometimes when you're young, whether it matters or not, it's good to hear that, um, especially when you're embarking on reproducing and building a family and uh, the things you're going to get into, just to let you know, I think you're on a really solid base support as to how you're perceiving Agreed. Uh, what's around you. Oh, I, pre- I appreciate the comments. I, you know, it's uh, the, uh, having the opportunity to learn. And just because, you know, we read more and more books doesn't mean necessarily that we have more wisdom or knowledge. But I think definitely just having the opportunity to learn and better yourself is something that we just take for granted because yeah. there's well, definitely so, some people that don't have the capabilities to read or learn. And I, I think read. that's just on to <laughs> have, <laughs> to have that opportunity. I don't read really so good. <laughs> take a hold. Yeah. yeah. You don't have enough uh, podcasts uh, or stairs to climb John to listen to so many podcasts based upon it. That's what the thing is. Yeah. I, um, well, let's talk about that. Um, uh, move it into what you currently do. What, uh, Ann Ian is looking to do and what does it look like if you just want to like dip your toes into that of like what is your definition of impact for that company and I'm a reader so I'll claim to be the reader of the group possibly uh, but uh, I can't wait for the book so I can get like a deeper perspective on it um, and I looked at your web page and I was actually disappointed to see that the three areas in which I was going to purchase any products it was coming soon. So I looked, you teased me <laughs> and my appetite is wet for it. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I love the bars. I love the pack of uh, stuff. Yep. I would like to uh, maybe offline discuss with you how uh, OPEX and our education um, and the kind of things that we are, give freely to people could be embedded inside and help you on your way with the exercise and the package por- portion. But I can't wait for your book on that. But inside of that was some questions on, where do you want things to go in which you can really, you know, uh, close the door, um, you know, tuck your kids in, um, you know, kiss your loved one and go to sleep uh, with a smile on your face at night? What does that look like for you for this company and and uh, your de- definition of impact for what you're doing with the connection between hunting and health? Yeah, I would um, I would start by saying if I could when this book gets released, if I could get at one person that could possibly utilize some of the strategies that makes a positive impact on their life. That's a victory in itself. And that the whole intent of the book is to provide something for the hunting community that I feel like I've been selfish and not sharing. So I think definitely not sharing some things that I have helped a lot of my clients, but more on a public stand has been something that I'm trying to, it's not that I don't want to share it. It's just, I haven't really connected the dots on how to until this book. And so if Mm -hmm. I I think there's opportunity definitely for impacting positively impacting hunters. And I hope that they see some of the strategies and apply them. I mean, you can read a lot of books and see a lot of great things, but I can't force someone to try something, but hopefully with some of the strategies, I try to go down the practical route of something that's realistic, especially because I'm doing 99% of these and I have a lot of clients doing them and they're seeing a lot of great benefits. So in terms yeah. of the company, yeah, if you look at the website of Anion Merging Science with Outdoors, you'll see some nutritional products that we have in the works. And then the book, which is the beginning of the year called Your Hunting Health Span, 73 Ways Hunters Can Age Better and Prevent Disease. And in a strictly in the realm of trying to improve the health of hunters 
And that is simple as I can make it because of that saying that I said earlier, without help, there's no more hunting. So if someone really enjoys hunting, hopefully I can provide them a lot of good resources and maybe a few tips to try. And if they try them and see benefits, then all is well in the universe and I'll feel very good because that's the intent of the book. The intent is to hopefully positively impact the hunting community um, in a way that hasn't been done before. Um, we know that there's lots of health books. Uh, there just hasn't really been any that have specifically niched hunting. So to merge hunting examples and situations with strategies you can do in the off season and in end season was advantageous for me to put the effort in to hammer down in, in a way that hopefully some others see positive information from. So can I, can I add something here or interject or I don't even know how I want to put this, but as, as a guy who's been trying to integrate health and I know James, you and I talked about quote unquote sports specific training. Doesn't really know. So no, really no such thing, but um, I, I've tried to be, I, I've been trying to get this, beat this into the everyday hunters mindset for, I don't know, 25 years probably. And I received a lot of pushback over the years, lots and lots of pushback. I think the main obstacle you have is to get the hunter to realize what it is for lack of better terminology, well, not really, because you are, you're, you're monetizing it, what, what you're selling them, you know? In, in my experience, the only thing that I've been able to get people to get on board with was the, the silver bullet principle, you know, give them the silver bullet. How do I fix this? How do I get better at this? How do I kill more elk? How do I, you know, whatever, what, what do I do to do that? And then give them, I don't know, whatever, my training regime or my drills that I do or whatever that is. And that's the only thing that I could get them to connect the dots. Cause there's so many people, there's so many guys out there that are like, well, you know, Joe Schmo's 200 pounds overweight and he kills big bulls every year or he kills a deer every, you know, you don't, it's like, this, I always get the answer. You don't have to be, you don't have <laughs> to be a CrossFit guy to have success. And they're right. You don't, you don't have to have, you know, you don't have to be the biggest, baddest guy in the mountain to have success. And I, my, my answer to them has always been, but it's the quality. You know, Joe Schmo, who's 200 pounds, is huffing it the whole time. And yeah, he got something, but he may, you know, if he didn't get something in the first three days, he may not have been able to go up the full, you know, week of the hunt or whatever, you know, whatever the case yeah. may be. So, um, I guess playing a little devil's advocate, I feel like you need to, to, I don't know, take it home or to, to get to get people on the stand. You need to find a way to bridge that, that Thank disconnect. You. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the way that you've approached, uh, I think is an, an awesome way, especially with the quality, you know, from some of the hunters that I've spoken to that luckily have, switch the gears is trying i'm almost going the opposite direction of what success the hunting success and going down the route of and i briefly mentioned this is like two in two years it's not guaranteed that you get to hunt so what are the things we can do to better the odds so you can hunt more i had a client that said hey i really want to continue elk hunting for a very long period of time, this and that. So we look at, okay, what can we do to give us the best odds? There's no guarantees with health. There's a trillion variables. There's some stuff that we know. There's some, there's a lot more stuff we don't know about the body. Um, and understanding that the more variables that we can within our control that we can influence for our, our health, um, the better odds of, Maybe that person gets to hunt elk for another 47 years. So I guess gotcha. what, what I've seen that's come down to a, for a lot of hunters that I've personally spoken to, and this might not be for all of them, is how much they 
do they realistically enjoy hunting and do they want to continue hunting for a while with less health limitations? Some can't go on hunts because they have migraines every day. Mm -hmm. We can do stuff for that. So um, I've kind of went down the opposite route. Definitely looking at everything I list in the book, it will make you in terms of success higher odds out in the field because your health will be better mm-hmm. and a lot of and like what you said a lot of hunters like that's what they care about is success and i totally understand yeah. that because obviously we want to be successful but also at the same time we can be really successful but if you have poor health and then in five years you pass away from colon cancer what does success really mean right and do you want more of that success so do you want more years of success? Maybe we got to start making a few different lifestyle choices and then you can get more years of success if that's how you have to flip it. Like I always told a lot of my classes when I was teaching at the high school, sometimes if something's not working, it's not necessarily that the idea isn't the right idea. It just hasn't been packaged and presented the right way. Do I know the right way? Of course not. Who knows what the right way is? But what I'm saying is maybe it just needs to be repackaged and placed up in a way that uh, resonates with some. And so far in my work, I've seen a few, which is gaining momentum, understand like, oh, I'm not guaranteed seven more years. But what can give me a better odds of possibly being able to hunt maybe an extra few years, but make those years really good? Yeah, you might, you can see guys that are maybe overweight that kill big bulls, but what about the off season? How do you think they feel? Right. Do, will they be able to hunt bulls for the next three years? Who knows? I, I wish the best for them. The best way to put ourselves in a position so that we can keep hunting big bulls is to recognize that without health, there's no more hunting. So make all the bad lifestyle choices you want you might not get to hunt those mule deer in Idaho next year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I, I definitely don't want that. I just want, there needs to be a self-awareness connection put in place. And maybe it's not success that we're looking at necessarily, because you will be more successful making better lifestyle choices, most likely in terms of what you gain from the experience, whether you do harvest an animal or not, just because your mental health is more superior. But like, are we going to be able to go hunt buffalo in two years or chase that moose right. in seven years that you've been putting in for that tag for 40 years? I was going to say, That's it's like all these guys that are, that are sitting there, you know, trying to build points just to get a hunt of a lifetime to go on that sheep hunt. I think I read a statistic somewhere that like, I want to say 75% of all sheep hunters are in their 60s. Because and that's only it, if you make it that long, right? It's because you you gotta you gotta wait that long to get the damn tag, right? And then you know, so it's like yeah. you, you know, that's you, only if you survive that, long. right? Exactly. Because there's no guarantees for survival. So I think maybe hopefully, and I don't know if I present that the exact way it needs to be said in the book. I tried my best, and we'll see what happens. But there's something to be said for recognizing that connection with. Like, do I want yeah. to continue doing that? Yeah, these these are the hard things we got to contend with for modernity, right? Like that person can wait it out, but it's not a meritocracy. It's not a meritocracy inside of people earning the right to get the sheep tags, right? Yeah, you know I mean, like let's let's yeah. go back six thousand years. Who who gives a shit about tags? It's like you're either gonna get food for your tribe or your family, or you're not, right? So these people who let's quote unquote don't get a kill. And that's why I like the conversation here of defining success. Mm -hmm. If you don't get a kill, your kids can still fall onto the Amazon app for getting 800 calories 30 minutes later. I mean, there's no, there's no repercussions for you not getting the kill, but see, this is the thing. We all know this. We can't not unknow this. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think the big challenge both of you have in front of you, and this is the reason why I asked the question and I'm getting lots of great learning from it, whether anyone cares or not, is that, language and communication is what makes us go to bed at night and sleep better. It's the language we use to make people critically think, right? Think that this whole thing could be metaphorical, but I still have to go about it with the right intentions. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm meaning, meaning, yeah, you know what, if I'm not successful, I still have meat in my freezer. 
You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not the, the, the deepest, deepest intentions inside of doing it. We've got to define what success is. And I like the way you guys just went about defining success differently. I'm very biased to look at the fitness lens and be super pessimistic on it because success in fitness and health is seriously undefined. And we just fall prey to these like biohack fast track models of swindling people to think that they're successful when really we're not talking about the long game, which is human potential, health span, you know, a lack of objectification, a lack of sensationalism, a lack of pleasure, et cetera. That's the truth inside of fitness. Mm-hmm. Fitness is like 60, 70 years, right? Fitness is not what you do in 12 weeks. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of very biased to the conversation on defining success. And I like how you both just went about, you know, deciding upon how you're going to communicate to people. I think the thing we hope for everyone can pull from that is that your language and your communication on how you're defining people critically thinking about awareness and why they're doing what they're doing is really important. And I hope, Linda, in any ways that you, you know, have that in your language. You know, I guess my hope is there that people will read it and sit back and go, yeah, I should really think about this. And if you do that, my belief is that to make some assumptions, I think you're going to move the needle and I think you will help whoever reads that information. But uh, I'm just hitting on the point that it's the way you're going to connect the dots is not through, um, you know, creating resentment. It's not going to be creating, you know, this uh, bipolar conversation. Technology is not going to answer that. Mm-hmm. But what is going to answer it is making people think harder, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, yep. like thinking really difficultly about the hard things, you know. And uh, anyways, I appreciate that from the from what you both offer to the hunting community. And I hope it, uh, I hope it does get out there because that's sure shit. We certainly don't need that people just falling prey to newer technology and, and better side by sides. Um, you know, just getting people to that kill. And of course, don't forget, we're going to keep putting it on Instagram and all of those intentions, in my opinion, are a poor base support. Um, it's a poor base support. Um, it's going to end up being futile where Mm -hmm. you're hitting, you know, where you're hitting is, is where it's hard, right? It's hard to go, you know what? I do recognize that I'm going to come back home and I'm still going to have food. But what do I do with that now, right? What do I do with that information? And how do I get motivated to be out there and, and hunt and try to be as primal as possible and be as healthy as I can? I know this might be like oversimplistic, but one of the things, so when, I, when I've uh, been a part of hunter education to kids, to youngsters, and anytime I talk to anybody who's kind of getting into bow hunting or whatever, one of the things I've always said to them is if you're in it for pulling the trigger, you're going to go home more, you know, disappointed more times than not. It's got to be about the whole, the whole experience, everything leading up to it, everything you do, you know, from planning, from, you know, learning mental and then, and then actual journey, the actual experience of the adventure itself. And I think that if, success was measured like that a lot of what we just we, what we just talked about would be you know i think people would be in a different mindset a different uh you know have different goggles on to look at to look at it differently but yeah, going back to I, what you said earlier that's subjective is everybody you know and listen i'd be i'd be i'd be lying to you if i didn't say my goal is to come home with something i don't go on a trip and say my goal is you know to go there and for the experience. And I wish I, I wish I was there. I always, when I'm on a trip, I always take in everything and I always relish in, in the experience. But the initial goal is for me to go there and get something right. And I think a lot of that came for, it's kind of grown more towards that since the Instagram and the, and the Facebook and all this stuff, because now you know, instead of coming home with something and getting praise from my family, I'm getting praise from my 24,000 followers on Instagram. You know, it's like, so there, there uh, it's changed a lot. And, and unfortunately, uh, it's taken away from what it is. And I, I'm kind of going off, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but trying to tie oh, it back to no. what. Oh, you're good. Oh man, that's a great, uh, you're, you're talking like real human struggles between 
you know, what you know to be true in what your experiences are and what you're good at um, with your last commentary there, right? A coming home to your family versus coming home to an audience, right? That speaks volumes of your um, vulnerability, really, mm-hmm. of recognizing the challenges that you guys have in front of you, right? Is to basically, is to not create the bait and switch, right? You don't want to hoodwink people, right? We, we You want to tell them the truth. What I just did there, that was hard. What I did is not always successful, right? And then here's the overarching theme as to what I think is successful in this whole thing. I think you're both doing a, a fine job of that, but with, you know, with what's happening and going on today, of course, there's always going to be um, struggles based upon it. So I think the word that I think about, maybe, Lyndon, you could restate it a different way, but um, it's gratitude. That's what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. Right? You just become grateful for everything that's in front of you and everything that just participated. That's what you just said too, John. And the moment that that settles in at some point, then typically fulfillment follows. And when fulfillment follows, then happiness is not just occurring, but it's wholeness because now you're embracing everything, the good, the bad, the middle, because it's all part of the equation and it's all good. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, I'm not sure if that's a great spot to kind of get prepared for a summing up, but I just, I only had one other thing that I wanted to to chat on. uh, If if I may is um, the pieces of your process. So would, would individuals listening to you right now, what would you feel would be most beneficial to them and to you for their next steps in, uh, would it be uh, to just uh, wait, you know, anxiously like I am for the book <laughs> or is it to uh, also, I you know, I'll be, I'll be completely honest. I was actually more impressed. You actually trademarked the goat bar. I mean, I don't know how Tom Brady didn't get that before <laughs> you um, and, and somehow yeah. manufacture a different version, but uh um, I'm also excited for that. John and I are always up for uh, a little uh, snacks that uh, we can use to <laughs> we keep, do our, we do keep our mental acuity. <laughs> we, chat about, we chat about it all the time. So uh, what's the next steps? Uh, I guess I could be mean and uh, make you wait, but I'm not sure if that – I don't want to set the expectation too high. I tried my best to put something together that hopefully could positively impact the hunting community. So uh, we'll see where that kind of – puts the book in terms of waiting until then for the nutritional products that's been quite the road just because manufacturing in terms of covid kind of changed the game so it's been a it's been a challenge but those are looking upright and they're looking good you'll have to wait on those unfortunately but that could be another conversation why those came about and why i saw the need and so forth in terms of what hunters can do now i think i'm not a huge fan of waiting until the new year to try new things or waiting till Monday to try new terrible. things. Yeah. If something exciting or new kind of comes my way and there's benefit to it in some manner, I want to do it that very moment, depending on what it is. I don't want to wait till the beginning of the week or next year. So when I think of like waiting for the book, yeah, it's going to be the beginning of the year. Um, that's something that's you're going to have to wait for, but what can you do now until that time. And I think what would be good now is to really do a self-evaluation. How do I feel? Do I feel really energetic, uh, terrific when I wake up? Do I feel like I respond with anger really quickly when someone says something that I don't necessarily agree with? Uh, do I feel like my energy between one and three is really good? Or do I start yawning between that time? What are the foods that make my stomach not feel that great? maybe reflect on those. So really the advice I would hopefully convey in a good way is for hunters between now and when I release the book is if you start evaluating yourself, not only in the in season, but the off season of day to day, how do you feel? Uh, Do you feel good? Do you feel like grumpy all the time? Do you feel like your mental health is not as good as it could be like evaluating those things and writing those things down, like getting a starting point, a foundation, so that at least we kind of have somewhere to aim and we have an idea of a baseline. And besides that, I would definitely recommend blood work, but that's a whole nother story on health stuff. So mm-hmm. establishing a baseline right now would be really good, really reflecting on are you grateful for what you're doing? Are you you 
really maximizing the minutes used, how much time are you spending on social media, how much work are you actively putting into your relationships, you know, whether significant other or not putting in effort all the time, really just self-reflecting, I think, on what you do on a day-to-day basis for each week and kind of writing things down on what down to the minute of what's occurring and then really looking at that list and asking yourself truthfully, and that's a key word, truthful and with accountability, am I, do I think these things are working? And if not, circle them and keep evaluating and keep writing things down. And then hopefully uh, when I can get this book all prepped, you're in a position where you kind of can tell where your baseline is and hopefully you're motivated by that point depending on what kind of changes you want to make. So that's one way of answering if that answered the question is I think definitely evaluating baseline and seeing how you feel and really self-reflecting on are things going your way health, like health-wise, mentally, physically, spiritually? If not, why do you think that is? Start writing things down. Really start getting a foundation of where we're at currently in real time. Well, I can tell you right now, I have evaluated myself as um, crappy. <laughs> Everything you said, I'm, 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 I'm part of that. Uh, you know, not feeling super uh, energetic in the morning anymore. <laughs> to all of it, and, and you know, yeah, and that's and that's completely fine. Like, not everyone, and I think that's an opportunity. And to write down a broad term of like how you feel, like really. The more niche you can get with the terminology of how you feel or certain situations when it's maybe not as optimal, you're not thinking well, maybe you jump to conclusions quickly, like write those down. Why are they occurring? Why do you think they are? Or write the situation down itself. The more niche we can get with specific things, the more we can get to the cause. Mm -hmm. And that's where there's an interesting conversation. And that's the stuff I like talking about. What are the cause of things or what we think might be the cause? Right. And so establishing a baseline based off cause, I think is really interesting. Like really thinking like, Oh, what have I eaten these last few days? When did I ingest caffeine? At what time of day did I ingest caffeine? What kind of music was I listening to before I maybe got in that disagreement? Did that influence me? What kind of fluids did I drink first thing in the morning? What did I do before bed? Did I get some light exposure from the TV? how tall my pillow is that made my back and my neck ache when I woke up that created a kyphosis like position. So there's just a lot of things and that's obviously terminology. (laughs) Yeah, it does. But you know, um, hopefully, you know, with the goal with that book isn't, I'm not expecting anyone to utilize all 73 different ways, but if you can just try and slowly, um, experiment i think is the term i like to use experiment with things and see how they feel and go then we're on a good path and so from now till then i definitely think self-awareness and establishing a baseline of where you're at and writing things down write everything down give me a bio of what you're doing each day down to the minute when are you drinking water how much how much electrolytes are you having like giving a real baseline for yourself in true honesty, not pampering it up just to make it sound good and write as much down as you can. And I think if someone has a lot of information recorded based off them and not someone else or what they think they should do, by the time this book comes out, they're going to be in a really good position to really assess and make some experimental choices for lifestyle choices. Awesome. If that answers, that was kind of a prolonged answer, but no, I, I think, I don't know. I don't know. If I'm not going to speak for James, but for me, I think that kind of, uh, but I'm just eating popcorn listening. I think that's what the phrase is, right? I'm just here eating popcorn, enjoying. The, uh, oh, I was actually eating what popcorn. I, what I, <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have been uh, drinking your water and having your electrolytes. I knew you thought about it when he mentioned it, but um, <laughs> I think that uh, if I if I'm the person here to act as a minyana to sum it up, um, I think what uh, Lyndon is asking there is uh, for people to uh, just be aware, uh, be a little bit more aware, be a little bit more sensitive, take a pause, 
every now and then for reflection as to what's happening like right now and then try to figure out, you know, how those things came to be. And that'll uh, bubble you up to uh, putting in best practices going forward. Um, and I think that's a great answer to the question. It was lengthy, but it's worth it sometimes. So, and uh, I know because I'm, I'm, I got a hard stop here. Uh, I, I, have, I have to end, but it's been a pleasure meeting you online. John, thank you for the yeah, introduction absolutely. and uh, for allowing me to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Um, I have lots more questions and uh, maybe another time again, we can get together over some, uh, some elk and, uh, and chat. Yeah, that would be great. Great to meet you as well, James. I really appreciate it. We'll have to um, maybe connect and maybe squeeze in a training session at some point. Maybe I'll do a little traveling. Oh, oh, for sure. You're always welcome here at my spot. That, that way you guys can measure each other's uh, dinglings. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Let's see who's, see who's stronger. Well, no, awesome. I, I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, it was a really interesting topic. Definitely something you could probably uh, do your own sp- podcast so i'm going to plug that for you start your own podcast you guys could probably talk about this stuff every day all day long it's uh you know to me it's it's always been like i said a a part of my life and i think um it's very important for everybody to kind of adapt something you know it it definitely doesn't have to be to the extremes that uh you can take it but something is better than nothing and I, you know, I feel like if you want to have a good quality remaining remainder of your life or, or your hunting career, however you want to look at it, you know, adapting some healthy choices and, and awareness of where you're at and, you know, what, what you're, what you're doing to yourself when good or good, bad or ugly is important. So I guess that's it guys. <laughs> Super. Hey, I appreciate you guys taking time for this. I really, it meant a lot and it was great chatting with you guys. Awesome. Likewise. Thanks a lot. And, uh, we'll talk to you soon. I want to, I'll catch back up with you when, uh, when the book comes out and I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't make an audio version of it, I'm probably not going to read it. Um, this is a reason why, let me tell you why. Cause I, I'll read two pages and I will fall asleep. It will take me yeah. two years to get fair, through it. Fair enough. <laughs> fair comment. I, I cannot yeah. read book at all anymore. It's like, it's like retired. It, it just makes me sleep. Makes, puts me right to bed. Boom. One page, two pages. Yep. I'm done. I'll never get through a whole. Well, I'm not sure if I'm, uh, not sure if I'm setting Lyndon up for trouble here, but Lyndon, you do have, <laughs> I have lots of, uh, background in this because as an online education company we have to squaggle with all these issues with communication is that uh you have a pretty good voice and a good tone and a good speed so even if you if you did want to do it i think uh, you would be the person that a lot of people appreciate is on the other side of that um and it's not actually that complex so if you're invested in or interested in doing the time to do an audio version of that i think it would be worthwhile i'm just putting my two cents in for that Okay. I totally appreciate that. I'll ha- I think that's actually on the agenda with my publishing team. Oh, super. So yeah, we're getting there. I'll, I'll tell you what, okay. it's a pretty humbling process, but yeah, we'll get oh, to that man. later. Yep. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Later. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. See ya. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out daysinthewild.com and be sure to give us an, a review on iTunes. Thank you, and we'll check you out on the next episode.